I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast, a show all about modern dating. Admittedly, I do feel like I'm very out of touch with Gen Zers. Oh yeah, because we're elder millennials, we're not even millennials. We're we're like pushing the edge of being a millennial. I, I actually think I am the last year where you can be a millennial. Mm. So I feel very disconnected from early 20 year olds and teenagers. I have no idea what they're going through. Yeah. 
And that's probably why we decided to do this episode、yeah. with a Gen Zer. Well, because most of our listeners and guests are twenty-five to forty-ish. That's、mm. usually like our average age range. So I think we are missing that under twenty-five representation as much. Their voice. We've had a few twenty-five-year-olds. I don't think we've dipped under twenty-five. Maybe you might think, oh, twenty-two to twenty-five is not a big difference. It actually、huge. is. I've changed so much. So much. Think back. Think back、oh、to、God. when you just graduated college. It's like a whole different world, and, and also now compared to when we graduated college, like there's so much difference. Going world、on. of difference, and I can only kind of guess what Gen Zers are going through. But I, one, I can't imagine growing up with screens already. Exactly, because we definitely did not have that. No, and growing up with internet. Easily accessible for you whenever you want.、Mm -hmm. I can't imagine growing up and going to college when dating apps were already、right. already there. Like you don't just meet someone randomly at a party. At a frat like, party, you're, like what? Firing up <laughs> Tinder when you're eighteen. Right. I can't. I can't imagine growing up in a world where their YouTube stars making millions of dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, doing makeup tutorials and everyone and just wants to be famous. Like you go to college and you're like, "What should my career trajectory be?" And it's like to be famous. Julie, <laughs> to be an influencer. There are two different things because you could be famous and not an influencer. That's true. <laughs> Although our Gen Z, our resident Gen Z, here on this episode was like. A doctor, wasn't she going to like medical school? Yeah, she、so. wants to. Yeah, but maybe like an influencer doctor. Who knows? <laughs> I, I think every all Gen Zers will have their influencer side, and they'll have their occupation. Oh yeah, or something. And then, and also, I also can't imagine growing up in a world where you literally are told you can be anything you want. I know. <laughs> I think what was interesting about this too is like we hear there's so many articles about Gen Zers, right? But it's interesting we address in the episode also. But a lot of Gen Zers are under 22 is the upper end、I、of know, Gen Z because it starts at 15, right? So it's like hard to get dating trends of like 15 year olds,、yeah. right? Like you know, so it was interesting. Not again, not to say that Zoe represents every Gen Zer by no means, but it was interesting to hear just. A day in the life of her dating life,、mm -hmm. and how much of it was different because of what you just mentioned—growing up with screens and being a different generation versus just a product of being in your twenties in college, like、mm -hmm. or right out of college versus not. And I also want to see all the research that was done on us when we were in our、oh、early twenties. The word "millennial" first came、oh, yeah. out, and all the <laughs> research、sure. studies of、oh、like God, the、yeah. millennials. <laughs> they're the biggest sluts, and they're <laughs> hookup culture, and they're all gonna die from STIs or whatever. It's just so it's so funny to think like that's just how we lived. We didn't know any better, but there's researchers who actually、right. study our behavior. Know. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating though, because there is this feeling that Gen Z. Are more traditional,、mm -hmm. and that's like one of the trends that's coming out. But I don't know about you, but I felt like Zoe on this episode just seemed so much more mature、yeah. than I was at this age. I was、oh, like、yeah. a hot mess at twenty-two. She has a freaking podcast. I mean, that's already <laughs> like five steps ahead of me.、But、she's like thinking about like her whole life her, trajectory.、Yeah. And granted, we asked her on the podcast, but I think it was like 
a, a lot deeper than I would have been able to answer at that age. That's for damn sure. I think we should bring up the fact that, and this is just super interesting because sometimes we have guests on our show and we feel like we have a really good conversation with them and we have great rapport, but then they might take away a different perspective. Yeah. They might have thought that the conversation seemed um, not so positive or seemed like we were pushing the areas that were more sensitive. It happens in dating all the time too. Oh my God, Two people yes. could walk away from the same conversation taking away different things. So in this situation, Zoe did repost this episode on her podcast. She had described that she didn't have a completely favorable conversation with us that we were judging. Because we had asked her how she was going to manage it mm-hmm. all. Her wanting like the family, the career, like the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And I think we brought up a few points like what happens if that doesn't happen? Because right. I mean, I think both of us have come from years of experience of seeing things don't always play out the way that you think they are. Mm -hmm. And I think she took it that we were like, kind of trying to put her down, I guess. Yeah. And in hindsight, if I think about it, the worst thing you can experience when you're in your early 20s is to encounter a dream crusher. And I think maybe we were sort of playing that role a little bit. Because when you're in your early 20s, you want to think the world is your oyster. You want to be able to accomplish grand things. And I think we were just trying to bring up, bring back a little bit of reality. People need time and the space to dream. It's a really tough call because I see there's definitely benefits of both sides, right? You don't want to think like, oh, I can never do anything because you won't. And that was kind of her point too, Mm -hmm. was I want to push myself to do everything and all of that. Mm -hmm. But you also don't want to be let down either. Yeah. And I was actually talking to a coworker of mine who's a mother. Mm. And she was like, my daughter thinks that she is going to like get the lead in the play. Like she's convinced yeah. she's going to get the lead in the play. And I had to actually put her down a little on reality mm-hmm. because I knew if she did not get that lead, she would be crushed. Yeah. So she had to play out the scenario like, what if this doesn't happen? There are other people that are mm-hmm. qualified. And her daughter actually ended up not getting the lead. Yeah. And... It's not because she said it to her, because this was a subsequent conversation, Mm. but she thinks that by saying it, it did help lighten the load a little. So while we shouldn't be dream crushers, Crushers. it's not a bad thing to be a little realistic, too. Yeah, I do think our conversation (laughs) almost felt like a parent kid situation because I had the exact same thought is what if I don't want you to be hurt too hurt if things don't pan out. So let's think about plan B or not the, not plan B, plan B. <laughs> don't get, don't do that. Um, don't have unprotected sex and have to go to Walgreens. But you have to think about. $50 uh, later. <laughs> I, I wonder if still $50. I haven't bought plan B in a while. The other conversation. Uh, but you have to think about what are the alternatives and what, how can I mitigate my risk? But in your early 20s, you can afford not to think about these things because you can just pursue the dreams of also make mistakes and then just learn from them. Right. And I think that is at the end of the day, it's like you want to be protective and help someone, but they do have to just learn on their own yeah. and discover. So, Wow, that was our glimpse into parenting. <laughs> Hey, I I mean, this podcast is all about relationships. That doesn't always necessarily mean romantic relationships. It could be a relationship that we have with our guests. 
Absolutely. And it's always interesting things that pan out behind the scenes too, and how people walk away from our conversations. But it's good to have an open communication about this because we can now think back like, oh, probably could have delivered or presented this information in a different way or asked in a different way Mm -hmm. next time. But at least also show our true intentions are positive. Right. <laughs> you know, we want the best for everyone too. But this was, again, a really fascinating conversation because I'm, I feel so far removed from this generation. And she even brought up the fact that she wasn't on apps. She was like, did not want to date. She was yeah, like, like she was saying that even though they had them at their disposal, mm-hmm. it was like looking like you were trying to put too much effort into finding a relationship. Yeah. If you were on the apps. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, like, it's like you have this tool, but you don't want to use it. They're the first generation where online dating is no longer stigmatized. It is no. just so part of mainstream and everyday life that they don't even want to use it. Right. And I think also we all experience the novelty of it, mm-hmm. especially Tinder. That was like a game, right? Mm-hmm. They have, it's just been there. It's like something that they've just had. So right? they don't even think about it. It's not interesting to to them. And she, uh, Zoe also talked about the dating fatigue she experienced Mm -hmm. and how she's just taking a break right now and how she wants to be more intentional with dating, which is all very wise and mature for her. Very wise and mature. She was super, (laughs) she's like beyond her years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But this is also a good time to talk about where the business opportunities are for dating apps to get to these to Gen Zers because they are dating fatigued. They don't want to be swiping all day, all night, but yet they still want connection. That is such a good tie-in to our partner. Isn't for this it? Episode. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you planned it. That's why we get paid the big bucks. <laughs> so Flutter app. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. I'm super excited that we're partnering with them because I'm actually really excited about what they're doing. So it's every Sunday, that's the only time that you can talk and match with people. And the idea is to keep it contained Mm-hmm. So you don't have those conversations that just fizzle out and never go anywhere. And the conversations expire at midnight mm-hmm. that night. Yep. So you only have 24-hour period to take that conversation offline, which eliminates a lot of the unnecessary chatter and just unresponsiveness. And the reality is if things don't progress within 24 hours, like they're probably yeah. not going to progress. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of just forcing you to do it Yeah, in a good way. It's like if you went to like a bar or a party and met someone, Yeah, you kind of get their number or Instagram or Facebook, whatever. And then you don't see them again. If you don't do that, you miss that opportunity. Because it's focused attention. Right. You kind of think Sunday is my day to message and to answer and to match and to swipe. So then you spend your energy doing that versus the app is at your disposal all the time. It's an afterthought. Oh, yeah. I'm standing in line at Starbucks. I'm sitting on the toilet. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's an afterthought. I'm just trying to kill time. This is more mindful. Yeah, I could see it even being like a social thing too. It's yeah. like everyone getting together on Sunday. Ooh. Flutter party. Flutter party. (laughs) If you are interested in trying out Flutter and you live in the Bay Area, lucky for you, and you have an Apple phone and download it from the iOS app store, they will be expanding out of the Bay Area soon this year. And also they'll be Android ready soon as well. So just remember the the name Flutter, F-L-U-T-T-E-R. Yeah. Download it if you can right now. And every Sunday, mark it on your calendar. You can find some great matches. Yeah. And let us know. Because I think it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I went on there, it's super fun. I would love to know people's thoughts on it. I wonder if Zoe would get on Flutter. 
We should see. We should Maybe reach that out could to bring, her. That could bring our relationship back. <laughs> Zoe, I want to mend our relationship. It's not even mending. It's like, Zoe, we just want to hang out. So, so let's introduce our guest today. Her let's name is Zoe. Let's together. Yeah, let's flutter together every Sunday. She is currently living in Boston. Uh, she's been there on and off for five years, originally from LA. She's 22 years old and single actively going on dates, but also dating fatigued, as we found out from our episode with her. Uh, without further ado, our resident Gen Zer is here to tell us all about what she is experiencing in her dating life. Here's Zoe. We've been talking about dating, you know, in our emails back and forth, but I would like for our mm-hmm. listeners to know about this idea of Gen Z dating. Obviously, you're not representing this entire generation, but what has your own dating experience been like? When did you first start dating? Let's start with that. Hmm. I would say in college, honestly, in high school, you do the occasional, you know, like, let's oh, let's go get, let's go get coffee. Let's go, you know, go to lemonade, grab a lunch. But, you know, then it ends. And I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was in college. And I think Looking back on that relationship now, honestly, I was it was like I it was such a tragic attempt at a relationship, but it lasted uh, lasted about two years. And Zoe, was that your last serious relationship? It was, yeah. Okay. Oh God, I feel like I just threw shade at so many people though. Just now, <laughs> I feel yeah, like but- if any of the people that I've dated are listening to this, they'd be like, "Wait a second. <laughs> But honestly, I mean, like, it's all in hindsight, right? Because right. while you're dating you someone, know, you could think it's going in that very serious route and it may, may not end up there. Exactly. I to, Okay, so to be honest, there was the one relationship that I was just referencing that's, you know, inarguably a relationship two years. And then there was another guy that I was in a quote-unquote relationship with for, I'll say, four months. And I say quote-unquote because I wish it didn't happen. <laughs> and it was only four months and I feel like the combination of those two can, uh, can you know, you can get away with saying that it wasn't a relationship. So I'm just going to go with one. Why do you wish it didn't happen? Yeah. Sorry, my curiosity has spiked. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's the thing. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I had the uh, the first relationship where I was kind of the, you know, he broke up with me three times, first of all, and I took him back every time. Yay me. Um, but the second relationship that I wish didn't happen. He was the he was the polar opposite of that. He was he was way too nice. I honestly always tell my friends like do not do not get into a relationship with a guy just because he's nice. And I think everyone has to make that mistake and for me like I get a little I don't want to say sick to my stomach cuz that's so really like this <laughs> aggressive, but like I just look back on how, you know, how much he was into me, but like in a weird, like non-relationship way and like how much time he always wanted to spend together and how we wouldn't leave my apartment. Like for an example, when we did break up, he didn't leave my apartment for like two days. And he would like, uh, because he said he, he didn't like have a, like a, an apartment to go home to, which later I found out was a lie. And <laughs> he would call his parents in front of me crying about, oh. and I'm, be, I'm sharing so many deets, but uh, yeah. That, that kind of, What'd he do that, like when you were dating mm-hmm. that made him never, like it, such a regret for you? Yeah. Okay, Besides so being nice. <laughs> the best way to kind of show what kind of relationship it is, I, it was, I think, uh, is through examples. So one night, one night, I go out with my best friend. We've known each other since high school. And this isn't, you know, this is in college. And so 
I kind of wanted, you know, a night out with the girls. And like, I didn't, you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to come home later. He was at mine as usual. So I guess I got home one or two hours later than I said I would have. Uh, and I come home and he's crying. Okay. Because he, when I was gone, he said he was making me cookies. And the fact that I came home one or two hours later than that I, than I said I would made him feel unappreciated. Mm. But I genuinely think that it's like, if you cannot handle one night, your you know, girlfriend or boyfriend coming home a little later than they said they would, um, keeping in mind they were in contact with you the entire night, then you're not in the right relationship or you're not ready to be in a relationship because that's honestly what broke it down. And I think that if he was more open with me, then we would have lasted longer. Conversely, in the other relationship where he broke up with me three times, I was guilty of the exact same thing. But Ooh. we were just – I think we had different experiences. Like I've so 100% been the clingy one, the the, the distrusting one, the, the crying over the cookies one. But, you know, I, I, I saw it. I saw what that did to the relationship and then I kind of went – I got a taste of my own medicine the second time around. So That's funny because I feel like I had the same experience at – 35. So it's not just a Gen Z situation. But I think it's just relationships in general, right? That's how relationships are. You know what's sad though is or like odd is that I, in the first relationship where I was broken up with three times, I'm okay with telling people that was a relationship. But in the relationship where, you know, I guess the guy treated me like a yeah. princess or whatever, I don't want to consider that a relationship. You like, weren't what into that it. That's why, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I but think I shouldn't have been into the first one either. I think that's hmm? a pattern a lot of us follow is that if we get out of a bad relationship or a relationship where we were really hurt, we go the complete 180 and find someone very opposite yeah. of that person. And that's not actually how you find your partner or you, you don't you don't go 180 or if like someone you didn't feel like they were in it as much as you did you were mm -hmm. and then you find someone that is like so over the top in it like the guy that made you all the cookies and then you realize like oh <laughs> yeah. okay I think it was okay that they might not have been like wanting to be with me every second of the day like exactly. I thought I needed for example let's hold that thought for a second we'll get right back to it this episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. 
With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think what is interesting about your description of these relationships, Zoe, is that it's so on brand for your generation. I've I've been reading so much about your people. Um, Many, many articles and sociologists have talked about how Gen Zers tend to stay away from the word relationship. And Mm. even if it's a two month, a two year Mm. or five year you, it's a you, thing. It's a thing. Like you guys <laughs> actually think relationships are really, really serious. And you've seen like millennials be hurt from relationships that didn't work out. So you tend to like try to stay away from that word, that label as much as possible. As for my generation, like a two hour hangout could be a relationship. I think <laughs> I like, like the end goals to be in a relationship more than it might be with Gen Z. I think Gen Z. So this is what I'm learning about you guys is that relationships have a lot more weight to it. Mm. So instead of thinking about what is my end goal, it's more like it would take a lot for you to say that this is a relationship. Do you find that, Zoe? Like in you and your friends' dating patterns? Honestly, I might be jaded by your generation as well. Yes. I mentioned this you definitely in are. emails to you <laughs> that the last person I was seeing was 29 definitely well out of Gen Z. And I have never seen anyone run away from the word relationship more than he can, Mm. honestly. (laughs) So I think you guys might be guilty of it too. But also, you know, there's something to be said, and it's my opinion, honestly, that about maybe an older person that's so willingly and so frequently dating younger people, maybe they just belong in Gen Z. And so maybe he was representing, or maybe that's why he goes for Gen Zers or younger people, because, you know, they're more okay with it not being a relationship. And I think that's why for me, like I 
put up with not having a relationship with so long for so long because all my friends are doing the exact same thing. Mm. I think we're also on the cusp of millennial. Like we're on the higher side of millennial. We're elder millennials. We're elder millennials. <laughs> <laughs> As Eliza Scherzinger says, a lot <laughs> elder millennials. Her. And I've noticed that younger millennials are more gun shy to relationships. Mm-hmm. And we've also noticed that younger millennials very rarely meet in person anymore. Like we can still remember the day where you actually met someone at a bar. And a lot of people that are in their like 20, like mid 20s to late 20s, I can't remember that or like just never experienced it. I'd be curious, like from a Gen Z perspective, like, do you feel like how do you meet people? Yeah, like, is that a total foreign thing to you? Where's it coming back? (laughs) Let me tell you, if you meet someone at a bar or in person, you are going around telling that story (laughs) to to everyone person that you we're you're like we met at a bar. It's like an urban legend. Yeah, exactly. For older people, kind of is like maybe I don't know would be embarrassing. It's like, oh yeah, we met at a bar, like we were drunk. But for younger people, my generation, it's like, can you believe we met in person? It's right. a whole story. What it boils down to is we were drunk at a bar. But you know, I've told the oh, I went there at eight p.m. and he was there at ten, and blah blah blah. It's a huge story. It's something that's <laughs> romantic. It's suddenly sure. such a romance, and it's now. like kind of retro too. Yeah, so it's cool. You know, back in <laughs> the day when I first started dating in my my early 20s, I guess, it was like so weird if someone met online. Yeah. Like, me oh, too. Susie and Mike met on match.com. Can oh my, you believe it? I had a friend that <laughs> till her wedding, I think actually past her wedding, she said that her and her husband met at a bar. Yeah. And they met and on like, match and they technically met at a bar because they met there, but come on. Yeah. And now look at you guys. It's You're like, like you met at a bar? What? <laughs> it's like, oh, we met on Tinder. Well, duh. Okay. So <laughs> another question for you, since you're still in college, because I remember in the college days, this was like way before, even, at least for us, we're like totally dating ourselves. But like Match.com was out, but it was not something mainstream at all. And it definitely was not for college like yeah. kids. It was for like adults that wanted to get married ASAP, right? Do you guys meet at parties? Like, how do you meet people? Or is it, do you use like apps the same way that people out of college would do it? So I would say a solid 60, at least, that's like very, like the very minimum, like 60% of my friends have met their significant other on dating apps or Instagram. I am trying to think about how, how people talk about it though. I think even if even though we all meet each other on dating apps, like just the majority of us, I think there's still a stigma around it mm. that might have to do, do with the fact that I'm um an older Gen Zer. I honestly don't think so. I think what more people are actually embarrassed about is the fact that or whatever they're trying to cover up is the fact that they were actively searching out their partner. Where, you know, people usually like to kind of be more like, oh, it just happened because I was Mm. living my best life and focusing on my career and that's how it happened. And I don't think people like to show off the fact that they're actively searching for people. But I, I always, I always tell my friends whenever they put down the dating apps or whenever they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go back on it. I'm like, listen, we do everything via our phones, via the internet, whatever, like whether it be groceries, school, um, 
career, like careers. Why would this one thing, dating, are you embarrassed to also do it online? It doesn't make any sense. In fact, the way that you sound, I think the way that we're going to be sounding to people 10, 15 years from now is actually like grandparents. Grandparents would be like, back in my day, you know how they always do that. And you're like, okay, whatever. I feel like this is the last, like maybe, you know, people younger than me, people a little bit older than me, this is the last of the generations that's going to have that viewpoint. And I think it's probably going to become more accepted that this is just something you can passively do online. But I think right now people are still, you know, still have that stigma that it's like such an active effort. And I think that for them is like a little bit of an ego weakening. Is that oh, like I could just ego? meet someone. Why do I have to like seek someone out on this app? Is exactly. that what you mean? Interesting. Exactly. Well, yeah, because it's like if you're searching for someone to, to date or for example, like I, right now, even though I'm moving to London and I'm constantly always moving, as I told you, just because of my co-op program here, I always have it in the back of my mind that like, I wish that I could get into relationships. So every guy that I go on a date with, I, I, I do see it it as a possibility that we're going to get into a relationship, but I will say that like on Bumble, you have the, um, the option of like, what are you looking for? It's like, are you you looking for a relationship hookup? And I'm like embarrassed, I guess is the word to Mm. say I'm looking for a relationship because I feel like that's needy. So what do you put? But in reality, yeah. Hmm? So what do you put? I don't, I just leave that blank. I don't answer it. So do you You think this is a Gen Z thing or do you think it's just like where you are at that stage? Because I'm thinking about myself in college and I was definitely not looking for relationships. Like I was looking to party to like hook up with people like a lot of my friends in college like weren't in relationships and this is like for dating apps and all of that like if anything do you think apps have made it more accessible for college age kids to have relationships you know what i think it's done the opposite i think it's more accessible but i think that it happens less frequently because there's just so many options like I was listening to Matthew Hesse on um, The School of Greatness the other day, and he was talking about how these days you go on the dating app and then you go out on a date. And by the time the girl gets home, she already has like five, six other people, you know, that have matched with her. And so you kind of lose that time that you would go home reflecting on the date, thinking about whether you like them, thinking about what they said, kind of that build up that like when you start to like someone, that feeling of thinking about them all the time. Instead, you're swiping on on Bumble again for the people that you want to meet next. And so I feel like in that way, it's not helped relationships, but I think like it has tremendously helped the hookup culture, which is already a problem. And I already have an issue with, I was telling you guys this earlier that I listened to one of your podcasts and it was the PSA whole, it was a, it was a guy, I won't say his name or, or just, I don't even know his name, but he was talking about how all the different tactics that men use. And, and I've heard this before this, I'm not singling him out. I've heard my guy friends say these exact same things about the different tactics that they use to, you know, get girls into bed to take part in hookup culture. And I've never been a fan of it. And honestly, my take home point, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, is, is that I don't think a lot of girls that say they're fans of it are actually fans of this, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm trying to hook up just for fun, just because of like the physical pleasure of it. I think that the hookup culture, dating apps, everything like that has forced girls to almost want to devalue sex in general because they're constantly being lied to or hurt. And I feel like the only way that 
in some cases, they feel like they could save face if, is by saying that that's what they wanted as well. Obviously, that's a huge blanket statement. And girls also like sex. But that's how I feel. And that's what I've seen with my friends. You're actually just like all the other Gen Zers. Apparently, I was reading this this article about how Gen Zers don't want to repeat the dating fallacies of their predecessors, millennials. So they don't want to fall for the fuckboys. They mm. don't want to be part of hookup culture. Therefore, you guys are having l- less sex than any other generation. I don't know if you've heard about the sex drought that you're all having. So it seems <laughs> like you're all on the same page. It's like everyone's heard these tales of these older people who've you know, been in these dating situations where the guy was just terrible and you don't want to fall for someone like that. By the way, the guy with the PSA is about 20 some years older than you. So, <laughs> so that's interesting because I feel like the stuff that Zoe, you mentioned about like Tinder, like, or like any app, just like having all these people lined up and just like tons of hookups and all that, that's like definitely very millennial. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is because of all like that backlash, Gen Zers just are kind of avoiding. Like Gen Zers are the ones dating the least. They're just not like you guys are considered romantically challenged by the Wall Street Journal because you're not even putting oh yourself God. out What's there. What's the oldest Gen Z person? Is like 22, 24, 25. Well, that's, we said, what I was, right? that's what I was going to say. I mean, a huge portion of Gen Z is not even having sex just in general because they're young. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> because they're young. Honestly, that's the part I'm like questioning this data set because it's like, even like in our generation, when you were younger, like I personally, I don't know about you, but I just wasn't dating as much because I just wasn't there. Mm. Like I was like in college or even in my early 20s, I was like getting my career in order, just like living with my parents for some of it. I just wasn't like dating at all. So I feel like there's, I didn't start really dating, like really dating till I was 25. And at that mm-hmm. point, if we're looking at this data set, that's like the top of this range, right? So I think this is where it comes from. Millennials were the start of the hookup culture. They Mm. had a Mm -hmm. shit ton of sex. All the STIs went to them. Good for them. (laughs) And because of that, Gen Z looked at that and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not fucking dealing with that. I don't want to be part of that hookup culture. So I'm just not even going to hook up. And as a result of that, this generation is having less relational moments with with each other because they want to avoid this entire STI mess Got it. altogether. So elder millennials, us, we had to rely <laughs> on parties and such. And half the time that could go your way or not go your way, right? Where millennials could just fire up Tinder. Yeah. And now Gen Zers are like, uh-uh, I, I don't, don't want to be part of that, that mess. Interesting. That's a weird evolution. It is. Well, I actually, so this is why I've been reading in all these articles. I feel like I'm an expert on Gen Z, except I'm not a Gen Z and I feel like I'm just just pulling shit on my ass. But it's it's that retro effect. Yeah. This this generation's really looking for old fashioned values. They want to learn about courtship, making an effort, what romance is. Interesting. And they don't know how to do dating, but they are they no longer want the casual sex and the casual hangouts. They you, want something more. How do you yeah. What do you think about that? Okay. Really? So there's a lot that could be said about a lot right here, just in terms of explanations and why aren't we having sex? Is it because we're too busy on Facebook or is it because we want to be like Romeo and Juliet? Or is it because we're like 15, half of us? Um, <laughs> exactly. 
but I think I think honestly, what I see a lot is I I don't know really any any of my friends um, that that go into it saying like, oh, I I, I don't want to have sex um, at all because of because of all those those st. PDs that millennials are throwing around or, or, or you saw what happened to those millennials. Um, <laughs> so that is that not coming up at parties. <laughs> well, I was saying what I think, you know, what I think I do see a lot is a lot of, and I, and, you know, I'm guilty of this, a lot of, of dating that leads nowhere. So we're mm-hmm. not just like, tin- you know what Tinder first came out? I feel like I never had Tinder. I feel like I'm a little... Disclaimer, I never had Tinder, but I feel like people that did have Tinder, was it was definitely like a let's meet up, let's have sex, like mm. peace out. Now I feel like people are like, let's meet up, let's grab a drink and then peace out. Like, I think it's mm. more people are going on more dates. And I think especially what you what you hear all the time is that like, I think this is probably based on the lessons that millennials have had to teach us. But, you know, people are saying things like never sleep with someone on the first date because then mm. they'll, they, they won't text you. They won't respect you. So it's a lot of dating going on. No one's sleeping each other on the first date because of whether they just don't feel like it, because whether they think the guy is not going to respect them, you know, probably like a, a mixture of things. And then it's so easy to find another date. Like I said, you go yeah. home and there's a cuter guy that you matched with. And so it's like we're meeting up, we're meeting up and we, we can we can go on dates with these people as if we had met them at a bar because the stigma is gone. So we're not just using it for for, you know, secretive sex that we're not telling our friends about and I think it's turned into this thing where it's like you're dating so many people but I mean I guess I could see why that would lead to less sex I honestly didn't know that Gen Z people were having less sex though it was Gen Z and part of millennials the younger millennials I do want to double down on this like losing respect out if you Mm. sleep with someone because I feel like that's a really archaic old school traditional way of thinking because that's what we were ingrained with the message that like the elder millennials got (laughs) the elders (laughs) got our canes over here we're ready but like we were told all these years through like terrible dating books you need to like wait to the third date. Like mm-hmm. you can't sleep with someone too soon. I hate that arbitrary rule, by the way. No, Just I hate agreed. arbitrary dating rules. Agreed. And I think though what we've kind of seen this backlash of a lot of people kind of challenging these rules and just yeah. being like, hey, we have countless examples we could point to of people that have dated seriously or even gotten married to people they've slept with on the first date. And it's mm-hmm. kind of all bullshit. And I think it's kind of made the millennial generation, like you mentioned, go on Tinder, just hook up. Kind of, I feel like myself included, like I don't really have as many of those views as I once did when I was younger. So it's interesting to me that you're kind of bring, like your generation's bringing them back. Or who's telling you this? You know, I think it's just a, like a lot of what you, what I, what I hear on, you know, all the dating podcasts that I listen to, but also what my friends have to say and also my own bias because I will say that I do have a lot of friends that will say, oh, you know what? Like it shouldn't matter and it doesn't matter if the girl sleeps with me on the first date. If I like her, I like her and I get that. But I also think that's what people like saying. And I think that the reality is they don't like to – guys don't like to admit to 
the own biases that they carry if a girl does sleep with them on the first date because, you know, we are so, I guess, progressive nowadays with sex especially. And I feel in their right mind, like who they view themselves as, as a person, would not judge the girl, would not like the girl less for sleeping mm. on the first date. But deep down, I think that still exists. So I think I'll say this. This is where my elder millennial advice giving comes in. This is <laughs> that, that portion of the show. Give it to me. So this is what I would say to all your friends and to to your own internal voice, which is, I think for so many decades, women have been taught to change our behavior and mm -hmm. our mentality to please men and to make sure that we can get one, get the man of our dreams or whatever it may be, or get them to respect mm -hmm. us. But the the reverse of that, which is coming out in the last five years, is that why do we need to adjust our behavior and yeah mentality for men when men should stop thinking that if a, a woman sleeps with them on the first date that she's a slut that's on them uh-huh so if a guy does not respect you and doesn't want to hang out with you anymore after you've slept with him on the first date fuck him you shouldn't be with him in the first place i 110 agree i just don't really believe that that person would have stuck around if you didn't sleep with them either i think like if they're not in it with you like sleeping with you is not going to make or break it yeah but again this is our generation we've also we've, we've also had a lot of friends who've gotten married even though they slept with each other on first yeah, date. Yeah, and I feel like there's been times that personally I've like held out because I've been under this mindset and it didn't do mm -hmm. anything. The person still disappeared. They got frustrated they weren't having mm -hmm. sex and that just showed that they kind of like, maybe that's all they were looking for in the first place, right? I've had this conversation with guy friends a lot and they'll say, you know what, UA, I put women in buckets. If they sleep with me on a first oh, date, I put, them, <laughs> I put them in the casual hangout bucket. If they make me wait three dates, I put them in the potential girlfriend bucket. If they do this and that, I put them in the wife bucket. And I'm like, dude, that's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> You're putting women in buckets in the first place. So no, no need for us to adjust our behavior just yeah. to fit that, into a bucket. That sounds very old school to me too, because I feel like most, I mean, again, maybe it's coming back with the Gen Zers, but I feel like most men that I've spoken to that are ranging between like 26 to 35-ish, right? Like millennial side, do not mm -hmm. think that way at all anymore. Mm -hmm. It feels that way, at least on the subsample that I have talked to, which is by no means everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are plenty of great men out there. I'm not saying that they're all like this, but we need to stop championing th these toxic thoughts. It, they don't make any sense. No, I, complete, I completely 100% agree. And I, I genuinely do think that if you have to change the way that you act for a guy to like you, then it's you, you should be saying screw him. The problem with that is that, and I'm not trying to be sexist here or whatever, but I genuinely do think that's overestimating a lot of men. Something that you should keep in mind that it's like, even though we are in this new age where it's girls need to stop adjusting the way they act for the opinions of men. I think that even though everyone ha is saying that and everyone, you know, saying they believe that, reality is is that this is still this is still going on fair point i think that just goes into the whole point is that those are just the less evolved men they are still out there but there are more evolved men who don't have these thoughts floating around all the time i don't i think it again is less about the generation thing and just the life stage you're at because i think mm. like men in general that are under 25 like <laughs> yeah. overall are most likely not looking for a relationship that ends in marriage like in urban yeah. areas like that's just the reason 
reality of it. I have definitely like seen advice too of if you are a younger woman and you want like something more serious, maybe it is worth dating a little older because those people no, just like trust me well no well, luck there you dated a younger millennial you need to go to an elder millennial come to our side mm-hmm. i think it's just like this point though is like is it like you said like they haven't evolved yet it could just be the immaturity level it could just be where someone is at 22 right it's the elder millennial folks at 22 like they would make comments about women that were just not evolved and also think about what the media is feeding us too i thought i wanted to be in relationships too at 25 but i didn't know what that meant I, right. it was just something that was fed to me like oh you're 25 you're a woman you should want to be in a relationship so of course that's what i looked for when i dated men but when i was actually in relationships i was like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I really want this. Do you want, like, what are you looking for? Because I feel like my, Lash, I'm not going to bias it yet. You say what you're (laughs) looking for, then I'll tell you what my hypothesis is of your generation. (laughs) Or of Zoe. (laughs) Not of Zoe. I I think I know where she's going to go. Well, the Mark Rosenfeld, my my podcast, put it perfectly. Because I was asking him about this, about whether... If you want to grow as an adult and you're young, you know, you're in your 20s and and you want to develop who you are as a person, whether having a relationship will hinder that. And he was saying that having a relationship could hinder it, but also not having a relationship could also hinder it. There's growth to be found in all areas if you, you know, if you are also taking responsibility for other aspects of your life. So in no way whatsoever would I ever want to get into a repeat relationship of the one that, you know, I do not mention that I told you about for four months where it was just like I was so suffocated the entire time because that definitely, I think, was not the right move for me. It wasn't, it didn't, I didn't expand me as a person. I will say that I do want a relationship because I have been single for a while. And I just really appreciate, you know, the things that come with being in a relationship, like, you know, the hanging out. I just, Mm -hmm. I love, even with my friendships, I always hang out with like one or two people, um, hardcore, you know, I've always been that type of person. I don't really like spread around with a lot of people. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming from. It could also be just because I haven't been in a relationship for a while. So I think at 22, if someone says, oh, I'm looking for a relationship or I want to be in a relationship, it could be could be seen, you know, like as, well, you know, it's like you need to grow and like you need to discover who you are. But I, I do think that I could also do that in a different way in a relationship. I'm also like, you know, still young, naive and immature. And it's like the pretty present that I want. <laughs> so... So let's say hypothetically, you got your dream job. You're moving to London, right? I am for six months. Like, let's say you meet this guy in London that you just like fall head over heels (laughs) with. And then your career takes you back to the States and you have to go back to LA. So super far. Where, what would you prioritize? Hey, let's take a quick break because I want to highlight our wonderful sponsor, BetterHelp. Because of BetterHelp, I found a way to seek online therapy with credible professionals who I trust. BetterHelp provides a platform full of credible, compassionate therapists who offer online counseling in a safe and private online environment. These professionals specialize in areas such as depression, relationships, and trauma, just to name a few. With over 3,000 U.S. licensed professionals across all 50 states, they make it easier than ever to find help in an affordable way. They even offer financial assistance if needed. Now for Datable listeners only, you get 10% off your first month with the code Datable. Get started today by going to betterhelp.com slash datable. Simply fill out a questionnaire and assess your needs and then get matched with a suitable counselor. 
Again, that's betterhelp.com slash dateable and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 10% off your first month. Now back to the show. Let's say you meet this guy in London that you just like fall head over heels with <laughs> and then your career takes you back to the States and you have to go back to LA. So super far. Where, what would you prioritize? I would actually love to work in London, but let's just like, you know, back to so not back to this like hypothetical where I was going where I was going to LA and I let's say I went got into like a medical school there and that's the only one I got into. Yes. One hundred percent I would choose medical school. I would not stay anywhere for a relationship, especially considering I just met him and I also think people change you know, so much. However, I will say that people all the time say, oh, I can't, I can't do long distance. I can't handle the pain. I can't, it's not going to work out. I will always give long distance a try because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out Mm -hmm. and we can try it out. There's no harm in trying if we really like each other. Um, So yeah, I would give long distance a try, but I would not stay in London because I just don't trust relationships or people to ever stay the same. So yeah, if I were, I don't think there's anything wrong and moving for a relationship, I think there's a stigma around that too because everyone's like, oh, I'm so career-oriented. Yeah. I think it's perfectly fine to move for a relationship if you can find a great job at that place too and you guys have been together for a while. Back to your hypothetical, if this were an amazing opportunity that I couldn't pass up, of course, I would either do long distance and if you didn't want to, then – and it, by the way, it probably wouldn't work out. But you know, if you didn't want to, then I would leave anyway. The reason I asked is because I feel like we were kind of on this cusp of women really like kind of rising in the workplace. And I think like, at least for myself, I was kind of ingrained with this, you must support yourself and like get your career off the ground. And I think that really did make me like kind of look at relationships as second for a very long time. Um, And I was just curious if you kind of felt the same way, like if your friends were putting off relationships for career or if you were balancing it better or like what kind of things that you were seeing out there beyond just yourself. I feel so strongly about this. I'm so glad you asked this because you're so right with, you know, women especially wanting to go after their careers and and everyone, especially in America, thinking of the career, your career is the most important thing. And I think I've always prided myself on the fact that I have a good career ahead of me and the fact that I am going to put a lot of effort into my career. But I do think that people misunderstand what happiness means. What For most people, putting 100% into your career over anything else is not going to be happiness. Yeah, maybe it'll feel good at a dinner party when you can tell people that's what you prioritize more than anything else. But in reality, we only have one life. And what's going to make us happy is our career, our relationships, our family. So it makes no sense to me that people consistently over and over and over again put family and relationships you know, in the back seat. And I get where it's coming from because we all want a career now and it's great. And I think that you should go after your, your career. But I think there should be more of a balance. And I think people are kind of ashamed or don't want to share the fact that they would give up, you know, maybe a slightly better job and then take the, the the worst job if they could be with their partner. Now we're in this age where everyone's so focused on career. I think that we also need to focus on, okay, well, what actually makes me happy? Mm-hmm. It's certainly not the things that I'm going to be able to buy with an amazing career. It's certainly not a title of a career. People overestimate how much that, how happy that's going to make them. I am career oriented, like I said, and I think that all my friends yep. are that way too, but they don't see that it's not the best decision in my mind to say, oh, I, I would never move for a relationship. That's what everyone always says. And I think everyone likes saying that. That's who they like themselves to, 
to see themselves as. But I don't, I think that's a mistake in the long term. So where do you see your life at 32, 10 years from now? 32. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I will be out of, let's see how I'm 22 right now. I'll be a doctor or still in my later years of my residency and hopefully, hopefully doing something. You know what I want to do? And this is so funny that I just talked about how we shouldn't like prioritize just our career. And then I'm like, go immediately into career. But in terms of career, graduated from medical school, just starting off as being a doctor, hopefully doing something like neuroscience or dermatology. We'll see which uh, residency I get. And I also really want to do something on the side because I love doing this podcast. I love creating things. And I feel like for me was like a big pill to swallow when I went directly into deciding that I was going to do medical school. In terms of my relationships, I honestly, I want to be married. I don't really see myself as someone that wants to spend, you know, her 30s single or whatever. I I think that when I find the person like I, I, and this is not a good quality. I repeat, this is not a good quality, but I'm just saying that I know myself and who I I am as a person. I will definitely do a shotgun wedding. (laughs) I have no self-control when I like somebody. So I'll probably be married, maybe once divorced by then. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I I definitely, I want to wait till my mid to late thirties to have kids though. And ask me how I'm going to do all this as a doctor, who knows, we'll figure it out. And what about at 42, 20 years from now? Mm. Where do you see your life? Okay. So by the time I hope that I save enough money up as a doctor to, like I said, start something on the side. So whether that be something with dermatology, I definitely want to have some sort of savings on the side so that in addition to being a doctor, in addition to seeing patients, more entrepreneurial, more creative oriented. So, you know, do a little passion project on the side and spend time with my fam. Yeah. By, by now, sense. what's up with the family? You've got your husband, you've got a few kids by now. You think that this is still happening in 42? Like you think everything's going good? So it's kind of a question of like, can you really have it all? Can you be a doctor? Can you have a career? Can you have kids that don't feel neglected? I absolutely do believe that I can. And I say that because I've seen my parents do it. My parents and I have a wonderful relationship. And at the same time, they built this amazing company. And I don't really see any problems with that. I think that if there does come to be an obstacle and I, um, maybe my kids are feeling neglected. Maybe I feel like I'm not putting enough effort into my career, into my husband. I think that's something that you can approach then. But I think honestly, and this is going to sound like I think I'm superwoman, but a lot of people say they don't have time for things. But I think that a lot of people just don't realize how much time they're wasting. And that includes myself. But, you know, every single time I go into a new feat, where other people that have been that have done the exact same thing before me have said, oh my God, it was so difficult. Blood, sweat, and tears. I found that if I just um, you know, put put 100% effort into it and organized my life, then I usually come out on the end, you know, breathing at a pretty normal pace. So <laughs> so <laughs> I can definitely say at 22, I never thought this far about my life. So that's good for yeah, you. I mean, you know what, you know what though? Here's the, here's the thing is that like you're putting, when you ask me these questions, I feel like my personality is just like, you got to think of an answer, Zoe. <laughs> I think about it sometimes, but definitely don't think about it too much in in, in depth, honestly. Oh, it's good. It's good to do some future forecasting. I want to go into some of the other trends about your generation that we didn't touch upon. We won't go into detail. I just found these to be interesting. Gen Zers tend to have a higher tendency to get into long distance relationships Hmm. because they borderline suffocate one another with their physical and digital personas. 
Mm. So the thought of withdrawing from this exchange is somewhat of an exotic idea. Interesting. So it's like you're apparently Gen Zers, even on dating apps, will look at a farther, a wider radius than older generations because you're more open-minded about having someone who's not there all the time, like having a remote relationship. Do you think that's because you're so technology dependent? Because there's also, I would be curious to hear Zoe's perspective on this too, because I feel like the the younger millennial generation was kind of, there's a little bit of a backlash or even maybe Gen Z that like a lot of younger children like didn't really spend time with family and, or sorry, with friends um, as much as past generations. Like, I remember there was this app called House Party. Ooh, I don't know if mm-hmm. it exists anymore, Never but it basically it. was like you were in this virtual house party with all your friends and it was all super young, youngins. <laughs> and actually, like, it made me really sad because that I was like, so sad. this is kind of depressing that people would rather yeah. sit in their own home on their phone than actually go out and play and meet with people. These were like teenagers, so there actually are probably Gen Zers. I guess, Zoe, like, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you see friends less because you're just connected on phones? I definitely think, well, the you know, to the first question about how Gen Zers are more willing to do long-distance relationships, I guess I fit in, like I said, once again, to being a Gen Zer. But I think that might, and this might be aging you guys up too much, but that could be due to the fact that maybe people are more willing and able to move and work in different cities, countries, mm. um, states these days. Yep. Whereas mm-hmm. back then, if you, you know, either were moving, it was because you had this job and, you know, you couldn't really see yourself moving after that. Or if you weren't moving, it's because you were going to stay in your hometown right. with your family. Because, you know, no one gets into long distance thinking that's going to be the rest of the relationship. So that could be... More um, mobile in general, it, you're saying. Yeah. And Gen Zers mm-hmm. are more nomadic too. Yep, They're exactly. not super tied to one place. Or possessions, like you've said. It's mm-hmm. more about like experience and life. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts about like seeing your friends? Like how much of like how often do you see friends versus like talk to them via digital devices? I okay, so I'm really real every all my friends will say I'm horrible at texting call person if I have to. You're so old. Um, I genuinely just are you sure you're a Gen Z? I like like seeing them in person. Um, (laughs) But you know what I will do? to like keep in touch with my friends and make them, you know, share the love is I'll just like, I'll send a meme over. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You're Gen Z again. Yeah. You're Gen Z. <laughs> you went back. <laughs> the the yeah. next trend, I, I, again, I don't think we need to get into, into detail about this, but the word cheating mm. is phasing out of Gen Zers vocabulary because People are so uh, against getting into relationships or non-committal yep. that if they do actually commit, it becomes very serious. So cheating will no longer exist, phasing out of their vocabulary. I think we see that even now. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like m- most relationships that we are like friends of ours or ourselves like don't ever end because someone cheated as much as historically in the past. Yeah, it feels like one like you just said they're not getting into relation. They're not getting off the ground to begin with. Or people are kind of going down this route of like ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, like polyamory, Open. just not yeah. not monogamy anymore. Yeah. But it's like this this word cheating is kind of like this no-no because it implies like we're like holding something or like yeah. being malicious. And it feels right. like people have like really backlashed against that probably from seeing parents' generation or older's generation. Right. Like a lot of divorce and stuff 
because of cheating. Failed relationships. Zoe, thoughts? That is that is actually so interesting. I'm trying to think of why that would be the case. I'm, I mean, if someone cheated on me, <laughs> you cheated. <laughs> like, be, you know, I'd be the first to like use the word. I wouldn't feel bad about it at all. Like, I think what you're saying is maybe right in that like there's so many other ways that relationships are failing or not even coming to. So it's like harder to cheat because you know what happens a lot nowadays is like people will be dating seeing each other several times a week going on dates all the time not not official or whatever right so it's like if they hook up with someone else what do you like yeah it's, you're kind of right like what are you gonna tell your friends like who cheated on me and it's like you guys you guys aren't girlfriend and boyfriend right mm-hmm. i guess that's probably it like the whole blurred lines aspect of it it wasn't saying like you wouldn't call someone out, but people just aren't doing it in the first place. So it's like, do you have any friends that have like broken up with someone because their significant other cheated? Their significant other cheated yeah. or their like little no, boothing like cheated? significant other like full-blown relationship. Oh, actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a relationship that ended because of cheating. Yeah, okay. there's cheating so going on. So it still happens. It's still happening. This is probably a good segue to some of our takeaways from this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, you know, my favorite quote if any for anybody who's been listening to Datable is we're all each other's consequences. Oh. And I think as much as we can joke about the different generational differences, I, I have to look in my own generation and say, what are some of the consequences we've left for these other generations? And what I would tell my kids about dating and love and relationships when they grow up. And I think it's unfortunate some of the mistakes that we've made. And I like to think more about like how that's impacted you know, mm-hmm. some of the younger kids. And it's never too late to think about that. So even for Gen Zers, even if you are in your teens, it's also good to think about like, what is this legacy you're, you're leaving? What is that that world you want to leave for your kids? Yeah, I don't know if you can look at it as mistakes, though. You just kind of had to go through it. And this is what happens. And I'm sure Gen Zers are going to uncover a whole slew of other things that we're not even thinking about. So it's, you can prepare for something, but there's like only so much you can prepare for. Yeah. So my takeaway is almost like I kind of feel like there's more similarities between generations than you may think. I think also it's like sometimes it's just like where you are in your stage of life. Like I I hope everything that you wish for comes true, but that was extremely idealistic. And I think what's going to end up happening in the next 10 to 20 years, like who knows, like Mm -hmm. things can take all sorts of turns. And I think we've learned like from our podcast is just everyone's kind of on their own journey and things don't have to necessarily be tightly woven up by certain ages. And I know we set that up by asking you by different ages. So I don't mean it mm-hmm. like to you personally, but I think like balance of knowing what you want out of life, but then also kind of just taking things as they come and being open to the different turns that it takes to. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with that. I think one of the biggest things to keep in mind is that when when you're asking me about what Gen Zers are doing when they're dating, it's completely, or, or you know, even what I would prioritize back to the whole like, you know, what do you want when you're 32, 42? Would you move for a relationship? Would you stay for a relationship? These, my answers are completely based on my past experiences with relationships, with school, and also what my future goals are. So obviously it can only be specific to me. So it's like, maybe I've learned at this point that you know, through relationships that I've had or just through my own mental health, maybe I've learned that, you know, 
achievements are not going to make you happy. A job isn't going to make you happy. And so because of that, I put so much emphasis on making sure to kind of have a more holistic approach to life and just say that like, you know what, I do want it all. I'll go for it all. Whereas someone that has been in a, in a different situation, maybe they've kind of put too much emphasis on relationships. And now if they're in the same place, in their life as, as I am, except for they had different experiences, they're more likely to be like, you know what, I'm not, relationship comes sec- come second, I'm putting career first, um, no relationship for now. So I think like the older you get, the more you can kind of have, like you can take a step back and have a more, a fuller understanding of the entire picture. I think at this age, my age, 22, every experience that you have shapes so much what your, what your view of what your life is going to be or what you mm-hmm. want out of your life. Um, so, so it's harder to say. And I think that, you know, there comes like biases have a lot more power because you don't have that many experiences to shape your opinions off. But I will say the view of my future is extremely idealistic and I don't think that I would have it any other way. And I know that that's setting yourself up for failure, but you know, it's like setting yourself up for failure is setting yourself up for failure. So setting yourself up for an idealistic future is also setting yourself up for failure. Might as well go for the latter, right? I don't, right. think it's, I, don't I don't think it's setting yourself up for failure. It's having a vision, whether your life is unpredictable, but having a vision does help you guide your life in some way. So totally. I don't think it's setting yourself up for failure. I all. think though, my point though, is that your vision might change with your different life experience as you get older. Exactly. I think yeah. right now you just said it, like you have a certain life view because those have been your experiences. I think a lot of us too, like when you were 22, you just assume by like whatever, 25, 30, whatever it is like you'll be married with kids like that's just the way society works and I think like as you continue to grow like you see that sometimes that doesn't always go in that way and sometimes that isn't the desired way for everyone a lot of friends of mine that did meet that person in college or right out of college and kind of had that just go that way immediately and then others where it didn't and it really just comes down to luck in like different directions your life takes you definitely and it's also kind of just like if you're on a certain path and it's making you so happy let's say you like you're on your career path and you're 29 and you're 30 and you're and it's like it's really fulfilling you then you shouldn't go for that relationship you shouldn't go for the marriage because that's what's making you happy if it's not making you happy then maybe it's like you should start looking for that so I think it's definitely like it's so hard to say from now like you can say all the things that you want by a certain age but it's so hard to say what's actually going to happen because you don't know what's actually going to make you happy you know like two years ago had such a different view of of, of what course. I wanted. So, exactly. you know. And I think yeah. that's like kind of the point is like things just always change, right? But I think yeah. sociologically, I find this conversation super fascinating just because we can look at some of the patterns and how they repeat. Mm-hmm. Just like fashion, yep. dating comes back and yep. makes, <laughs> makes a comeback in different forms. So I'm going to make some predictions. I think like for, so our parents' generation experienced the highest divorce rate. That's, yeah. I'm talking about Julie and I, not you. So because of that, our gender, these millennials are saying, you know, I'm going to date, I'm going to marry way later in my life. So yep. people are getting married in their mid to late thirties. That's around the average. And as a result of that, we have these like more years um, of disgruntled dating. Mm-hmm. which has caused mm-hmm. many people to have dating fatigue or mistrust with their partners, which then leads to Gen Z, which is like, I don't want to experience any of that bad yep. stuff. I might just skip it. I might just skip it altogether <laughs> and get, get my get my life 
in order first, whether that's my career or otherwise. But this dating part, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to actively seek it out. And if I do, I'm not going to tell anybody about it because it's not, it shouldn't be a priority for me. So as a result of that, I think Gen Z is looking for more traditional, they're looking for traditional values or like, mm-hmm. they're kind of like, I want the courtship. If it does happen, I want the courtship. I want the effort to be made. I want romance. And I want this like professing of love that's very grand. As a result of that, whatever that next generation is called, who knows, um, that generation may actually revert back to, to our parents' generation of dating a little bit earlier, maybe wanting that relationship a little faster in life. Mm. And that could also cause more divorces. I don't know. Maybe we're going back full circle with the next, next generation. Who, who knows? knows? And again, this is just one zier. So there. <laughs> The conversation, you know let's keep it open. Because I'm sitting here, you know, there's a slight reflection of my face in the window. And it's just funny how I'm like here representing Gen Z. Because <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I've you're not, been, you're not. I, we need to give that disclaimer. You are I just representing yourself. Or whatever you call it. <laughs> well, you are representing yourself, but it's still interesting to hear totally. what your experience has been like. We got to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Zoe, for. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having this conversation. Us your with me. perspective. And if uh, any Gen Zers have a totally different viewpoint and they are all about the hookup culture, let's hear from them too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll stay, stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Stay dateable.